Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome once again to Dave and Marlo, your absolutely favorite Portland Trailblazers podcast, or at least the one that will get you through the cold days of winter in 2023. I'm here with Marlo Ferguson. Happy New Year to you. How's 2023 going for you so far, Marlo? So far, so decent. Uh, Happy New Year to you too. Happy New Year to all of the Blazers fans. Um, I'm pretty sure we're all very confused right now with how the the season's been going, Uh, but got to take a day at a time. Well, let's start out there. Actually, that'll be an interesting spot because one of the things that we at Blazers Edge readers do over the holiday weekend is uh, offer New Year's resolutions for the Blazers, what they think the Blazers should resolve. If the Blazers could have one New Year's resolution uh, that you could make for them, what would that be? I think it's just like I beat beat a dead horse every week that we come on here, but I want to see them get out and transition a lot more. I think they have too many athletes for them to rank as low as they do. And this week, I've even pulled up the numbers. Uh, right now, this team is is seventh worst in the NBA in terms of shots within the 18 to 22 shot uh, shot range, shot clock range. Dead last in that 18 to 15 uh, shot clock range. Fifth worst in terms of the, uh, getting shots in the 7 to 15 uh, shot clock range. So every area you look at it, this team just has too many athletes. You know, we've heard Damian Little talk about it. Um, just haven't been able to play against that nine-set defense, being able to get in transition. Many of their best highlights and many of their best their best runs come from those situations where they get out quick. So that would be the one thing that I would, would want to see them uh, get better at. So I am starting to come around to something people were talking about early in the season. And I think it is time for the Blazers to curb their turnovers just a bit. Remember, we said to wait, and we're still waiting, but you know what? We're approaching the halfway mark of the season. I'm going to give them 60%. So I'm going to give them like about, you know, 48, 49 games. They're encroaching upon that, and the turnover situation is not necessarily getting better. They are 25th in the league in turnovers per possession, which is not a great stat. 
And of course, the insidious part about turnovers is they affect a lot of stuff. They prevent you from putting up a shot. They also often lead to opponents getting shots. And the Blazers have kind of done a little bit of both. And it's it's time for them to get their acts together. Now, caveat, as we always say, there's been a lot of injuries. They've been mixing and matching lineups. They're better than they were at the very front of the season. In November, they were super bad. But they're still pretty low, and they haven't improved in you know over the course of December. So, yeah, less turnovers, more fast break points. I think those could actually cure a few ills. I think that's a good point too. Um, I guess there was one more we could bring up. Uh, less iso ball, late game situations. Uh, but to your point, I, I think that that's definitely a, a big thing because of the turnovers they, that they get. I can see if it were turnovers and them being aggressive and, and getting you know to the lane, drawing charges or whatever it is, but. A lot of those, the passes they make, the passes are, are a little bit errant. Um, they just seem like they're in a rush sometimes. A lot of, like, accuracy isn't there on the passes and whatnot. So just foolish turnovers. And we've been talking about the same thing for weeks and weeks. And you want to see them, them get better at that. So late game situations, there's a little bit of complexity. They have been going iso ball. And actually... There is a certain wisdom to that, because when you have Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons, they are capable of scoring that way. That said, it seems like they've kind of abandoned every other approach, and especially the one that tends to free them the most is screenplays. Even if Simons and Lillard are going to take the shot, having a screen often helps. Now, why? I think it's not completely being brain dead. I think there are a lot of situations in which, for instance, Yusuf Nurkic has drawn his fifth foul, or in some cases has been disqualified already. Sometimes he's not on the floor. Uh, also, you have injuries to some players uh, who could have otherwise set them, and Drew Eubanks is not someone you probably have out for your final possession. He can also set them. So they haven't had the personnel available. Also, Sometimes when they set the screen, if you don't have the right person setting it, the opponent just kind of ignores it and traps the dribbler, figuring that anybody besides Lillard or Simons is a better option. So they just haven't had that cohesiveness on one of their bread and butter plays out there, and I think it's showing. I think there's a lot of predictability that comes with that. You know, when teams know exactly where the ball is going to go and how it's going to get there, you know it's going to be a dribble handoff to Lillard, you know it's going to be a pick and roll, something like that. Um, and I thought in that Timberwolves game, they defended. Lillard and Simons, you know, excellently. Uh, you went the first 18 minutes of that game with, with one field goal combined from the two of them. Um, and, and Minnesota's strategy of putting, you know, Jaden McDaniels on him, um, top locking them on those those pick and rolls and, and like face guarding them, making it harder for him to get, you know, clean, clean touches on it. That's tough to do. You got to spend a lot of energy getting your shots. And I think that when, when those situations come, uh, Lillard gets a little bit more aggressive in terms of kind of pressing it a little bit, rushing their shots and whatnot. So it's just a tough diet to live by when you're trying to, win a game on, on, on perimeter-oriented shooters like that and hoping that they, you know, magically get going in the fourth quarter. Um, so it's just it's just tough. I don't think it's sustainable um, if you're trying to win a championship or make a deep playoff run. So it's tough. It's, it's, it's tough to think about. So I think Damian Lillard got a little bit of a halo from that scoring record. And it seems like more and more the team is defaulting to him. And in late-game situations... Granted, who do you want to have the ball? Dame Lillard, obviously. But it's almost become exclusively. You've seen in crunch time situations where the rest of the team is just standing. And there's a temptation to do that anyway. And I think the accolades, I can't, I don't know if this, this may be 
correlation or causation or neither of the above. But it looks like everybody's going, save us, Dame. Now, I think Dame can still in the right situations, but he's still not as explosive as he used to be on that drive. You see him getting uh, swatted back a lot more uh, when they know that the drive is a possibility. And that means that they're able to predict, as you say, more what he's going to do. And when everybody else is standing around, that predictability becomes flat-out destiny. I don't think that that's sustainable with this version of Dame. I think he should still be the number one option. He should still be the player controlling the ball. But I think the teammates need to erase that shock and awe that they have in their own heads playing with him. Yes, they're playing with one of the Blazers' Beatles. But you know what? You've got an instrument, too, and you've got to play this thing, and it's got to be a band. It's fine for him to ISO in the third quarter. It's fine for Anthony Simons to take over at the end of the half or the beginning of the third quarter. But when it comes down to the finale, everybody has got to be playing. The one guy who I see missing a lot is Jeremy Grant in those moments. And earlier in the season, he was more of a factor late. Now, not so much. Do you notice that? And what do you think is going on there, if so? I was going to say that. Like, Jeremy Grant's a guy that he's proven he can make those shots. And I think that with the strategy they're using for him on defense, where they're kind of uh, they have Josh Hart guarding the best perimeter player, different best perimeter player um, at certain times. If you're going to save his energy, you might as well let him get shots in the fourth quarter too. So he's a guy that can that can definitely do that. And we talked about this in November. You know how sustainable was it for them to continue to win games like this down the stretch in, in, in clutch time situations? And it's just tough to always kind of live and die on the same player on the same thing. And we saw that in the, in the Thunder game. Uh, they had 18 18 points on 23 clutch possessions over two games. And that's that's not even a point of possession. So that's that's absolutely terrible. Um, in the Warriors game, you saw the same thing. And it was just tough to see with, you know, how the Warriors were spreading the ball around and Portland wasn't, was doing the exact opposite of that. So I think Jeremy Grant's a guy that you can you can put him anywhere on the low block, catch and shoot, um, and let him, let him go to work and maybe even free up uh, spots for Damian Lillard and those guys to shoot for him with the attention he's getting. So it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough to see right now. Absolutely. And I, I would add two wrinkles to that one is that sometimes i think grant gets tired and fades at the end of games and maybe getting him some more rest i know you can't do that because what do you got if justice winslow is injured and nasir little is injured who else you putting in there at power forward i love jabari walker we'll talk about that later but you can't play him 25 minutes probably right and nor trend in watford so grant's not getting a lot of rest it seems like at the end of games he starts to fade but here's the other thing there's another player on the floor out there out there that's underutilized, and that is Josh Hart. Hart. <laughs> and I will tell you that Hart has not looked really good closing games, even though he's clearly fresh and has the open shot, but I don't think he's got enough reps. It just doesn't look like he's engaged, and I don't mean mentally and emotionally. He's always engaged that way. But you know what? If you're cold and you never touch the ball and you're an afterthought and all of a sudden it becomes a hot potato and it's like, it's all on you, buddy. Like, what the heck? I need some rhythm. I need to be in the flow of this, and he's just not. It might behoove the Blazers to get him a few more touches, too. Now, we've said this about Anthony Simons <laughs> also. Uh, and we said this a little bit about Yusuf Nurkic, which is showing you part of the puzzle-like nature of Portland's lineup. But you know what? I, you can't have Josh Hart take five shots all game and then expect him to make four in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he had a, a, a bad air ball three-pointer earlier in that, uh, I think it was the Minnesota game. Yep. And it's just tough to see him play 33 minutes and get 
you know, four or five shots. You know, you just it's, it's hard to get into a rhythm like that. So I, I definitely agree that they should probably ration that out a little bit more. And to your point about just the way they, they're versatile and how they uh, manage to manage minutes, um, it's it's tough when you got guys playing 38, 39 minutes. You know, at this point in the season, Portland's got the highest scoring uh, starting lineup in the league and the, and the lowest scoring second unit in the league. So a lot of pressure on those guys. I think that you have to try to find a way to tinker, um, getting guys getting guys rest and and, and however you got to do it. But right now it's kind of reminding me of um, 2012-2013 where you got Ronnie Price and, and Sasha Pavlovich and those guys in there and you're just hoping somebody gives you five. So it's 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 tough, but he's definitely a weapon that I think needs to get utilized more. And it goes back to my point and just getting him out in transition. When even if he's not scoring, if he's pushing the ball and getting into the teeth of a defense, he's setting guys up. So he's doing something positive. But he needs more touches to make that happen, though. Yeah, I mean, we can play a game. Here, here's the game we can play this week: Josh Hart or Drew Eubanks. <laughs> Golden State, four for seven, four for six. It doesn't matter, right? They're essentially the same. <laughs> and the four for seven was Josh Hart. Four for six was Drew Eubanks, right? Uh, for the Detroit game, we have two for five and three for six. Okay, again, pretty interchangeable. And that time, actually, Hart was the one who only attempted five shots. And uh, Eubanks, actually, sorry, three for five. I misread that. Three for five and two for five. Hart had two makes. Eubanks had three, same number of shots. Only in the Minnesota game was there any differential because Drew Eubanks uh, only attempted one shot. But Josh Hart, only attempted four. If you cannot tell the difference offensively between Josh Hart and Drew Eubanks, there may be a little adjustment needed uh, in that offense. And again, where are those shots going to come from? You don't want to take them away from Lillard, Simons, Grant, etc. But still, this is a problem that you can't allow to continue because that's just an absolute resource there that you need that, that just you're not giving the ball to. I was going to say, maybe you can maybe find more possessions, but it's hard to do when you have the 24th uh, fastest pace in the NBA out of 30 teams. So I don't know where exactly they're going to get it from, but I think that I, I always enjoy watching the Blazers when they when they run those sets where they have Lillard and Simon play off ball and they'll have them playing like maybe like a horn set where they'll set a screen for a big, something like that, just to kind of mix it up and uh, get the redundancy and, and get the get the flow going in, in offense. So um, I'd like to see Hart maybe get into situations like that where he can orchestrate a little bit more, have the ball a little bit more, but, you know, they got to see that problem too. I'm just not sure how it's going to work out. Yeah, I mean, I, lack of a three-point shot obviously hurts Hart a little bit, but he had it last year when he got a steady diet. He was okay, but he's not going to be the guy that you kick out to for that secondary three off the offensive rebound. He's not trailing the play, and the Blazers don't go to the corners as much as they used to. So, like, he feels like kind of a lost man. I don't know. I mean, it's just, as you say, probably just manufacturing more possessions is the way to go. And let's look at that. Actually, I haven't. But uh, against Golden State, they got 91 shot attempts. That's not horrible, uh, but it's not a ton. Against Detroit, they only got 84. And against the Timberwolves, they got 75. Now, granted, against Minnesota, they shot 42 free throws, so that explains some of that. But still, you would like to see, I mean, you would like to see the Blazers in the 90s in field goal attempts, and they're not getting there. Absolutely. It's just not, I don't know where they're going to get it from, but part of it is just getting stops. I don't think they get enough stops for them to make that happen. Um, and at the, early, the beginning of the year, it seemed like they were kind of trending in that direction. 
and Dame's kind of talked about it. This is a team that's still struggling to kind of find its identity. Uh, they've they've kind of threatened different different t- types of identities, but they just haven't been able to get one going. And maybe that's because of all of the moving parts they've been in and out of the lineup, uh, introducing guys in, guys coming out of it. So um, hopefully with with better health, you know, they can get some continuity going there and, and, and figure that part of it out. But right now it's kind of hard to kind of anticipate what you're going to get from this team night in, night out. Um, and they're losing to teams that they're on paper much better than. So it's, it's, it's just it hasn't been a positive in that regard. Yep. Uh, and I agree with that. It's just, it's coming down to where the defense is a liability, yeah, and not just in points allowed. It's starting to affect the offense and the continuity as well. Uh, let's talk about the three games that they played. Uh, lost to the Golden State Warriors. Anything about that one in particular that stuck out? I mean, Damian Lillard took 29 shots, which is a lot for him. Anthony Simons had 21, so that's... 40-50 of Portland's 91 shots coming up from those two guards. That's an awful lot. But then again, without uh, S- Steph Curry and without Andrew Wiggins, maybe a little bit of backcourt scoring uh, would be apropos. I don't know. What what did you notice from Golden State? Um, I, t- I talked a little bit about it in the recap, but there was just so many different uh, statistical anomalies in that game that, that really stood out. Uh, the highest second highest scoring quarter uh, in the third quarter they put up 40 points they followed it up with their, their second lowest quarter with 16 in the fourth uh they gave up the highest scoring first quarter of the season they they were just they came out dead in that first quarter gave a 41 to the uh 41 to the warriors in the first in the first quarter had a 95 percent chance of winning and, and blew it down the stretch and i think that the really concerning thing about that is that uh the warriors they were on their third game in four four nights shorthanded just like portland was but portland couldn't take advantage and I think anytime you have a night where you've got all your starters playing 35, 40 minutes a night and you come in with a loss, it's just, a, it's just it just hurts twice as much because they just exerted that much energy and they couldn't come out with come out with a victory. So it's, it's just a it's just a tough, tough loss all around. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, the Blazers had a 40-28 third quarter in that game, which should have been. I mean, that's exactly what you want, right? This should have been under normal circumstances. We just put this away put the bench in after four minutes of the fourth quarter. Our starters can rest. Exactly the blueprint for a Blazers win. But you know what? You gave up 41 to the Warriors in the first and only scored 25, so you needed all of that just to get even. Uh, You made Clay Thompson look like five years ago. You make Jordan Poole look like Steph Curry. It's it's a lot. It's it's like you're running up, you know, the Florence Sand Dunes. Okay, I'm a decent runner, but you know what? If I'm on pavement, I'm great. You put me out on those sand dunes and I'm going to have to take five <laughs> steps just to gain two feet, right? And it tires you out. And it feels like that's where the Blazers are. Their defense is putting them in debt and their offense is having a harder and harder time cashing the check. Uh, they need to lower the interest rate on the credit card somehow. And they certainly didn't do it against Golden State. Uh, Detroit, though, there you had a nice, you know, uh, okay, Nobody has to play really more than 30 minutes except for Anthony Simons. You have an easy win, as it should have been. Still, the first half was a little sketchy, but they came out in the third quarter, blew them out of the water, and cruised home. Anything from Detroit that you found indicative? Yeah, I think you hit on it. Uh, it was just kind of concerning to see how, how closely uh, Detroit kind of played them in that first half. And I think that you're, you're very inspired by what we've seen in that second half, but you know, these kind of games, you want to you kind of um, demonstrate how good you are. And they weren't able to do that right away. 
I thought that they were going to come out and play with, play with a little bit more intensity, especially with this being Chelsea Phillips' old team and whatnot, and, and having something to play for there. But uh, just didn't work out. But I think that the big thing is we're probably going to talk about it later with Gary Payton the second, the energy he brought to the game, um, and just the three point shooting. Jeremy Grant, you know, it's going to be a big game for him as well. Um, so just different things like that, and you like to see the Blazers get as many of those kind of wins as possible. Yeah. Okay. Let's detour because this was the one game so far that we've seen that Gary Payton played. We've had a lot of commentary on him. What would you add to that, to what the media and everybody else has noticed? Um, I think everything's kind of been as advertised with the, the on-ball defense, but I think that the thing that I underrated was just the passing. And they had a backdoor lob to, uh, to Shaden Sharp, and the minutes that he had with Shaden Sharp, they were fantastic. And it's, it's probably a bad time to bring it up, but Shaden Sharp just announced that he's going to be in a dunk contest. But anyways, uh, Gary Payton, he, he had a really, really good, really good uh, rotation there, I think. Three-point shot. It was it was reassuring to see that, and I'm just I'm very interested to see how the rotation looks. Um, on the Lockdown Blazers podcast, we talked about him playing the playing the Nines, which is basically the the last three minutes of the first quarter, uh, first three minutes of the second quarter, and doing it like that, which would mean that he wouldn't get to play a lot with Lillard. Um, so just seeing how they kind of tinker with that, I think it's going to be fun to see. Uh, but kind of too early to really get too much into it, but just excited to see how that's going to work out. There are other Blazers podcasts. I'm, I mean, why? Why? Uh, okay, anyway, uh, why would you need another one? Uh, I, I will say that we did talk about this last week, and we we told you. I mean, that's, this guy, if he's playing, he makes a difference in the way nobody else does. We saw that against Detroit. Granted, one game. Granted, against the Pistons. But still, he came out and announced who he was, and there's nothing not to love. I, I loved, I, I mentioned this in a, a mailbag that I did. Seeing him sitting with Josh Hart and talking was exciting. Just the fact that both of those guys are on your team. And that's a, a nice mid-range. If they could get one more. You know the guy that I wanted, that I halfway forgot I wanted until I saw him play in Minnesota, was, was Torian Prince. And it kind of kills you because he was available. Nice. You know? And it's just like, if you could get a third guy like that, and I know Justice Winslow kind of is, I know Nasir Little can be, but I would love to have that third kind of multifaceted, not horrible on offense, energy defender there, just for Portland to, to, to have a straight there right in those middle cards. Ah, it would, it would be awesome. But I loved seeing Hart and Peyton together. And when I did, I'm going like, dang, this team is better potentially than they're showing. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. I'm 100% with you on that. You can never have too many guys like that on the perimeter. You can switch around, uh, can shoot the three-pointer, things like that. So I agree with that. And hopefully Gary Payton is one of those guys that can um, sort of introduce what we talked about just in terms of getting more out in transition because he's a guy that's going to get in passing lanes. He's a guy that's going to create stops. So he's, he's as much defense to offense that you can get. I think you'll take that. So, um just excited to see how it's going to work out. I know he's got an ankle sprain right now, so hopefully he gets back soon. Yeah. 
Oh gosh, would I still take Pascal Siakam? Would I? Do? Yes, I would. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> I mean, we talked about it. I know it's kind of pipe dreamish, but again, hey, hello, Nurkic and Simons, and you can have two first round picks and uh, swap rights for for a third one. Uh, you know, you're not you're not winning. You're not winning with Pascal, and uh, he's more mature than the rest of your roster. And Scotty Scotty Barnes is wilting a little bit. You know what? Simons is is good. Uh, you know, Nurkic is will play well for you. Uh, I don't think the Raptors would lose that that much. I mean, I think it might open up some spaces for them to grow even with Ant. And yeah, just gosh, would I love that. I mean, Hart, Peyton, Siakam, Grant, just stop me. I don't care who you put in at center at that point. I just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's that, anything with that lineup. Yeah. Oh, you could look at the Clippers. You could look at the Clippers and go, nah. Yeah. You can have Paul George. He's ancient now. You can have Kawhi Leonard, who's load manages entire seasons. Uh, yeah, we, 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 we're good. I mean, what you did with the end stage players who are already beyond their peak, we have now done with players who are heading up to or at their peak. We'll take our lineup. And keep in mind that people were predicting the Clippers as the Western Conference representatives in the NBA Finals this year. If, if you could make that move, I think all bets are off for how good Portland could be in the future. I think so, too. And Chauncey um, Billis has talked about this. He said he wants a team that, that people fear, that they don't want to play against. I don't think you have that right now. But if you make a move, you maybe be closer to that. And if you can get a lineup like that on paper, it'd it just be just fun to think about. And I'm thinking about the postseason where, you know, it, the postseason is all about matchup hunting. And, you know, they're going to run pick and rolls. They're going to pick on guys like Simons and whatnot. So um, you can nip that problem in the butt right now, you know, if you make a move. But <laughs> I'm with you on that. I'd love to see, I'd love to see Siakam and those guys come in and, and, and do what they do. Raptors need three-point shooting, too. Yeah, it's just... Uh... You know, I mean, the Blazers would suffer a little bit on three-pointers, but I think, uh, honestly, I think Hart and Siakam are good enough to cover. I mean, and Lillard and Grant are fantastic right now. So, I I'm don't worry. Uh, Minnesota game. Oh, what a painful game. That was hard to watch. What did you notice about that outing? I know people are kind of blaming the referees for it, but I think that the Blazers kind of shot themselves in the foot with just how they played in that first quarter and the first half. I think they were lucky to not have gotten blown out right away. You know what I'm saying? They, they came out came out flat, and that's sort of becoming a turn for them. If it weren't for Jeremy Grant and this excellent first half and Shaden Sharp playing a little hero ball, that game could have been over way before it way before it got good down the stretch. Um, and so you just want to see the, the, the Blazers start off games better than they do. I thought their the, uh, the Timberwolves' defensive strategy on Lillard and Simons, like I said, it was absolutely brilliant. Having size and, and, and length on those guys, having energy on those guys. You could just tell who wanted it more. Minnesota seemed like they wanted it more, um, and for Portland, it was just it was just tough. Another another situation where they, they just were a step behind all game, and it kind of came back to bite them. Yeah, I mean, they looked like they weren't engaged. They just, I mean, sloppy play, turning over the ball incessantly. And look, Minnesota is not an extra point scoring team. Minnesota is. Big guy, big scorers, get the ball inside. They're not three-point shooters. They're all right at the fast break, but you know they're not like a stalwart defensive team that you fear. The Blazers made Minnesota look like good defenders, and not Rudy Gobert, by the way. They made people besides Rudy Gobert look like good defenders. Luka Garza. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, he was an on offense. Oh my gosh! Why didn't Blazers keep him if that's what he was going to do? He's like, take this. Uh, but also, like so many easy points, so many unconcerned points is the better way to put it. And limiting your own offensive uh, possibilities by turning the ball over 18 times or whatever the heck it was. Again, they have to shoot their way out of this. And they only hit 44% from the field. And once again, they hit 31% from the three-point arc. And what did we say last time? That the Blazers are increasingly reliant upon that three-point shooting. And if they shoot poorly, they're not going to win. And they didn't. And to top it all off, the refs gave them 42 free-throw attempts. And they missed 11 of them. And I get that 74% is an average uh, conversion rate. But you know what? The Blazers should be better than average from the foul line. Damian Lillard missed four, for gosh sakes. That's like a week's worth of work for him. And you you gave away 11 points on the foul line in a seven-point game. You If you hit 11 for 29, which is all, you know a little above 30, that's about 36%, you are tied in this game. But no, they just shot so poorly and didn't convert their extra points that there was no way they could make up their sloppy play. It's tough. This was the absolute worst kind of game to um, have to shoot your way back into just because of how they were playing them. Like they were extremely aggressive on their pick and rolls. They had guys uh, flinching and trapping Simons all night long. Uh, McDaniels, like I said, he, he was like an annoying flyer to pick. He was all on Damian Lillard, you know, tripping him a couple of times, just getting into his grill. So it was, it was, it was really tough. Um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of expected it to be similar to that first matchup, but they were kind of able to exploit that, but it just never really came. Um, I, I, I don't know. It feels like this is a Blazers team that can kind of beat almost anybody. They can always lose to almost anybody too at this point. So it's just, it's hard to get a feel for what this team is trying to do right now. Yeah, other than just exist. And look, here's another thing. Yusuf Nurkic actually had a pretty good game, I thought. And, by the way, he's a decent counter to Rudy Gobert just because he is up high. Now, he didn't hit his three in this game, which we warned you about that, too. Like, that's going to be, you know, that's nice, but don't, like, think that that's going to turn the team around. Because, first of all, he's not going to hit all of them. Second of all, even if he does, eh. You know, it's it's not going to be the big difference maker. But he went 0 for 3, but he still managed to keep Gobert with him. And they still managed to not have Nurkic roll down the lane when Gobert was in there, so they kept Rudy high. That opened up a lot of things for them. But Nurkic fouled out. I mean, and he had the same, the moving screens, the, the ticky-tack fouls. I mean, are we ever going to see an end to this? Or... I mean, I can I can handle him having four fouls. That means you're playing hard. But when you get six and one or two of them are on screens on offense, and then another one is just dumb, at some point you're not as effective. Did you see that one at the end of the first half where he like just walked up to Austin Rivers and barreled them, and he's like struggling like, what am I supposed to do? Like I plays like that like at the beginning of the game. I'm watching it, and I'm like, I wonder why Nurkic isn't, like, jumping in there and contesting shots. And it kind of makes sense now because uh, Trina Wofford didn't play. They were shorthanded. So I'm thinking he's just trying to trying to save his foul. But a foul like that, where you just grab a guy like that, it's, it's, it's tough to see. And sometimes I just, I, I, I don't know. We, we watch all of the games. We, we write about it. 
sometimes it's just hard to understand what the, what the rationale and the mentality is behind some of these fouls. But I don't know. Maybe 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 you have a better idea of it than I do. I don't know. I mean, it's part of Nurt's DNA, but also it feels like, and with the team, you get a little bit of this too. It's a little bit of give up. And I don't mean give up the game. They're always trying to win it. But it's just like on a play. Ah, uh, what the hell? You know what I mean? Oh, this play got by us. Uh, I'll, I'll just foul them. Or this play got by us. You know, it's a turnover. I'm not going to run back. You can't You can't have that. You, your stupid foul now creates a problem for the team in the fourth quarter. And you know what? If you're going to give up on a play, at least put your hands in your pockets and let's get some pockets for those shorts. And if you give up, okay, you show it by sticking your hands in your pocket, standing still, and let the play go, and then at least the, the effect doesn't go belong, beyond that single play. Um, Drew Eubanks also fouled out a little more understandable because guess what? Hey, Drew, want to guard Rudy Gobert? Oh, sure. <laughs> I, no problem there. Um, Anthony Simons, though, and here's the thing. Oh, my gosh. Every once in a while, it's so obvious. Minnesota came out first quarter, ran like four oh, plays man. at Ant. Like the first four plays. It's like, <laughs> oh, man. It's like you couldn't. Why don't you put a neon sign on him? Why don't you, you know, like you, you might as well. It's like they're like Babe Ruth calling their home run. Did you notice that? What do you make of it? What do the Blazers do about it? It is it is hard to not notice that, and the only thing I'm thinking now is like, if Minnesota's doing this in January, and you you think you're gonna make the playoffs, what do you think Dallas is gonna do in in, in April and May? Like, we're already seen teams do this, and Anthony Simons is such an awesome offensive player, um, and he tries on defense. I think sometimes, uh, but it's I just I think it's just it's, it's sort of something that we're gonna just kind of get used to as long as he's here, where teams they understand exactly where to go, um, and, and if they can't target Lula, they're going to target Simons, and it's it's it, you noticed it very quickly in that game. I remember they had one possession where they uh the Blazers were kind of in switch everything mode, so they were going right at him, and uh, him and Grant had a miscommunication, and then uh, Kyle Anderson hit a floater like right in the middle of the lane, and then Simons was nowhere to be found. Yeah. So it's just he doesn't really seem to have the defensive the defensive know how and the intensity every single play to kind of kind of attack that, which I can kind of understand, you know, being such a, a a dynamic scorer like he is, but. When it's ugly, it's ugly, and uh, it was it was definitely ugly in that in that Minnesota game for sure. And they're out at the beginning of the year, which we talked about was the zone defense. But that zone is like the Christmas cheese that's been in the back of the fridge about three weeks too long now. Like you reach it for it, like I wonder if this is still good. No, <laughs> I mean Minnesota just ripped them apart when they threw the zone and the Blazers weren't even communicating right when when they threw it. They were like looking at each other and pointing places as like, wait a minute, I point places like I remember turning 40 and going out and playing pickup ball and that's when I started pointing. You know what? Because I got the brain power, but my old ass doesn't get around the court anymore. So it's like, hey, young kid, go there and cover that. But you know what? I'm not an NBA player. And I'm not responsible for stopping these guys to try to win games and championships. If they're sitting there pointing like 40-year-old me, that's that's an abdication of responsibility. That's not taking it. I don't know. What it's, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough right now. Yeah. Uh, that, that defense is, is, is not getting better. Let's talk about a couple things, though. Uh, Dame, again, the halo effect and all, you know, requisite bows to Dame. And look, you don't argue with 34 points, 
you know, and 19 and 29 minutes on 50% shooting against Detroit, and then 27 against Minnesota, okay? On his off nights, he's scoring 25. You don't argue with that. He is everything. That's it. Four for 15 three-point shooting uh, against the Warriors. Uh, he was better three for six against the Pistons, but it's the Pistons. And then you come back with two for nine versus the Timberwolves. And this this was going on last week, too. I understand how his drive has deserted him just a little bit, you know, except during targeted times during the game. But the three-pointer seems to be deserting him a little bit, too. What's going on? Do you notice any difference or what? Is he just in a cold streak or what's happening? Um, he talked a little bit about this in his press conference. He, he, he just views him as misses. And I think that he kind of knows that uh, when he gets hot, it'll be a different story. But I think it's definitely noticeable that the hot streaks aren't as hot. Uh, the cold streaks are a little bit more noticeable. Um, and it's just kind of tougher to sustain as you get a little bit older. And I think that we, we probably should have seen a little bit of this coming. I think we, we sort of have, but uh, it's just it's just tough. The Blazers the teams are continuing to kind of target him a little bit where uh, they, they're putting a really big guy on him and, and trying to, hoping that he can kind of stay in front of him or whatever. But um, I, I'm not sure. I think that, like I said, I, I kind of want to see how it plays out in the postseason before I get too, too ahead of myself because I think he knows that that's what's the most important thing. That's what's going to define this team. But uh, it's, it's, it's been tough. The, the, the big uh, game-breaking streaks that he normally has at this point of the year, they're not coming as frequently as they once did. So. Uh, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of stumped on what's going on with him right now. Let me ask you a tough question. Let's use go, the Golden State line. He shoots 12 for 29 from the field, 4 for 15 from the arc. He he gets seven free throws, which isn't a lot for him. Hits six of them, so that's fine. But, I mean, he's shooting, you know, 40%-ish or less from the field, about 25%, a little bit more from the three-point arc. But he still scores 34 points. Is that good for the Blazers? Is that a good line? Dame has 34, but he's shooting not efficiently to get it. I think that's maybe good in, in 2001, you know, where you get 30 points on 30 shots. But um, in today's NBA, I think it's, it's, it's tougher to win that way. I don't think you can win. A, I don't think you're going to win a playoff series, let alone a championship in that matter. Um, we've, we've talked about it a couple of different times. I think that you those 29 shots, I think you can maybe cut eight or nine of those and get those other guys, you know, guys like Josh Hart, uh, get them involved a little bit more. I think that's, um, it's, it's going to be tough to win that way. Not, I don't think it's sustainable. And I think that maybe he's become a little bit over-reliant on a three-point shot. Part of that maybe, maybe it's because he's maybe lost a little bit of that burst. I don't want to, I don't want to speak that into existence. Uh, it's not true, but just things to think about at this point in time, you know, so it's, 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 I don't think you can win a lot, you know, with that being your strategy. I think if he gets hot, you know, maybe you can do that. You have a couple of those, those nights, uh, the regular season where it works out, but long term, I think we've seen that over the last ten years. You know, it's gonna only, only gonna get you so far. So uh, I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's healthy for this team. Yeah, like there's almost a toxic spiral going on. You see, where it's like, okay, the team is underperforming, and so you go, okay, Dame's got to come to the rescue, and then he does, but it's not quite as efficient as it once was, and everybody else is kind of frozen out even a little bit more, which increases the need for Dame to do more, which increases them doing less, and so on and so on. And it's just like, it's weird, because at the beginning of the year, there was almost an instinctive trust between all of these guys that you saw. 
that trust doesn't seem to be there right now on either end. It's like there's a gap between them. It's almost like, yeah, a rocky relationship, you know? Okay, uh, I, I want to fix this, but I'm not sure if I should say this or do this, so I'm going to leave space for you to do it. And the other person is saying the same thing, and in that space, the kind of dissonance grows. That's what this team feels like a little bit, and it's it's a little confusing and not real fun to watch. Yeah, it's, I don't I don't think it's sustainable. Um, not against the top two teams in the Western Conference, and it, it's, it's tough because of how wide open it is right now, but... It's hard to envision this 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 iteration of the Blazers uh, making a really deep postseason run playing with this kind of identity. So, especially since they're playing so many minutes already right now, like yeah. not going to be fresh coming into the postseason like that. So it's, it's 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 tough to kind of envision right now. And you know what the solution to that usually is? It's like one person needs to be the jerk in the relationship and just not see the space. I don't care. I'm just doing my thing. And the other person goes, "Okay, you do your thing, and I'm going to come along." You know, uh, Jerome Kersey used to be that guy, right? You know, this is like, ah, bad game. Give me the ball. <laughs> you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jam it. I don't care. You can have your bad game. I'm out here playing. Um, there were there are many examples in the league of that. In fact, some of the players you love to hate. The Blazers don't really have that. The closest they have is Anthony Simons. And Simons isn't experienced enough and doesn't have enough cachet. And people are hating on him for trying to take over like that. So it, it's just like, for all the chemistry and the, the togetherness and the identity, there just is an edge that once again appears to be missing for this team when things don't go right. Like Josh Hart can actually be that guy to a certain degree. Like if you watch him throughout the game, he's always hollering at the referees. I forget which game it was, but he was like, you need to protect my point guard. He's yelling at the referee and whatnot. So I think if they let him uh, take on a bigger role, I think he's, he's able to elevate himself where he can do that. But I agree. I, even in the even in the Lillard McCollum years, I thought that this team needed a little bit more meanness, a little bit more grit, a little bit more of that that cheer factor. Um, and it's, it's just not there, you know. So I don't, I don't think teams look at Portland on their schedule and say, "Oh, we're, we're nervous about this one." Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's 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 hard to say right now. Yeah, it's like doubles tennis, right? If the if you give it to Portland at either one of the rackets, they're good, right? But if you hit it down the middle, they're just going to look at each other and think the other person should get it or should I get it or whatever. Screw that noise. You know, like at some point, And by the way, the reason I say that is it's been emblematic since LaMarcus Aldridge left. I mean, as good as Dame has been, and he's the captain, he's that guy. I'm not taking anything away from him. But he is the lone island in that. And even he is not the type of player to go, this is all about me and it will be about me forevermore. Get the hell out of my way. Right. Which is again, the kind of edge you need. We've most of a decade now, this has been an issue. Who's going to step up and solve it? <laughs> I don't know. So we have some breaking news. Uh, as we've been talking, Shaden Sharp has agreed to participate in the NBA slam dunk contest in all-star weekend now uh, yes uh not a huge surprise that he was invited i think given some of his highlights how do you feel about it do you think he can win um my first thought is negative uh just because of i'm having ptsd thinking about Anthony simons winning the dunk contest and then having like four dunks the rest of the year so <laughs> i don't i don't really i don't really have a lot of good thoughts to have about blazers to win dunk contest but Maybe this will be different. You know, so I think he's really going to put on the show. 
uh, put the Blazers on the map a little bit and, and have a little bit of fun. I think it's always great to see those guys um, exploring opportunities and what they can do. But uh, I'm, I'm just really more excited about his, his rookie progression than I am about a couple of dunks in the, in the dunk contest. But it'll be fun to see, though, for sure. Yeah, I it will be interesting. He's got a – how much junk does he have in his – because it's like fancy stuff now. It's <laughs> just uh, his athleticism is off the charts. In fact, you could populate that dunk contest with just Blazers, and you'd do okay. I mean, Greg Brown could get up there. Keon Johnson is not bad. Anthony Simons won it, for gosh sakes. You are just, yeah. So I have no doubt that he'll be able to soar. I just hope that he keeps it simple and goes big. Uh, but maybe, you know, Dame and, uh, and Ant will have a few tricks for him. How do you feel about Sharp? He got, uh, he got some run finally against Minnesota because of all the foul trouble in part. Shot five for seven, 13 points. So he came back strong. He's had a couple of good moves, but he's been in a little bit of a dip lately, hasn't he? Yeah, that, it was good to see. And like I said earlier, if, if he didn't make those shots in that first half, I think Portland really could have went down by maybe 15, 20. Some of that was, was a little bit of a fluke, you know, that the inbounds pass and on the, on the three-point shot at the end of that quarter. Uh, but he's, he's showing some, some, some real nuance in his offensive game. Um, on the defensive end, I think that veteran guys, kind of think they can kind of go at him because he's not a great you know, point-of-attack defender. He's not a guy that's going to get your grill and talk trash and whatnot. So he's still kind of developing that part of his game. Uh, but it was it was very inspiring to see him uh, put together some splash plays. You know, the Detroit alley-oop is one that immediately comes to mind. Uh, the Minnesota, the, the way he played in Minnesota all throughout that game was, was inspiring. So I think at this point in the year, um, it's, it's the rookie wall is well noted. You know, guys sort of you know hit that wall where they, they, they struggle a little bit. So for him to be, you know, elevating a little bit and seeing some progress, I wonder how it's going to work out when they get healthier, when the, when the rotation fluctuates. But um, for now, yeah, very excited about you know his last his past week for sure. Okay, let's put a hypothetical in front of you. The Blazers are at the sixty game mark. They're twenty three games farther along than now, and they're within two games of five hundred. Either way, right? They're right around five hundred. At what point does this become the season of Shaden? At, at what point do you just put him out there and say this is now about his development? Ooh, that's 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 a tough question. Um, I think if you, if you do that, I think that means you're basically kind of conceding the season. Uh, because Sharp is a, he's, he's, you can tell he's going to be a really good player, but if he's giving you 30 minutes, you know, in, in his rookie season, uh, with being as unseasoned as he is, I think that means you're kind of you're, you're playing for Japanese team, and that's going to have a, an adverse effect, I think, on the rest of the roster. You know, guys like Damian Lillard, they expect to be in and win now mode. I don't think he's 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 too competitive to ever you know play be healthy and still play in a season like that. And then you're looking at a situation where you've got Josh Hart, you want to pay Jeremy Grant, got a contract coming up. I think it sends a bad message to them if you're you're, you're playing rookies like that that many minutes. Um, so I, I hope that that situation wouldn't come about. But if the Blazers are, you know, 10 games in a 500, you know, in, in February, March, then I think maybe you can kind of approach that and make some trades. But until then, I kind of want to see this team just ride it out um, and, and – you gotta take it, take your first round exit like it's gonna come. You gotta just you gotta just deal with. It. Yeah. By the way, that point is coming soon. The Blazers will play 17 games between now and the trade deadline, so it's not that far after. Uh, here's another question. So, part of the thing that might inhibit the Blazers making trades is that they owe potentially Chicago their pick next year, this coming year. Uh. It is protected, though. 
which means they can't move their 2018 pick either, not knowing, I'm sorry, 2018, why am I talking about five years ago? Let's try again, 2024 pick, not knowing whether 2023 will go to the Bulls. The way around that is to remove the protection, then they'll loosen up the future uh, and they can move further picks. Is there any way you take the protection off of next year's pick for Chicago in order to loosen up trade possibilities? And you give everything you can to it. If, if, it, if it's advantageous to you, you know, Chicago, they're not a team that's, they're about the same as Portland is right now. They're both kind of mediocre, kind of average to above average. Um, I think if the right trade comes along, I think you, you, you approach it, you know, just that way. Now, I'm not an expert on protections and, 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 and draft stock and capital and whatnot, but sure. I think that you'd be aggr- as, as aggressive as you can if you believe that you've got the tools to, to be in win-now mode, which is what we've heard all offseason long. They've talked about how they expect to, to compete and contend, so I think it's just you got to be aggressive. got to send a message to let guys know that we're not dissatisfied with a 45-win season in the first-round exit, so I think you definitely be aggressive with that. The problem is... If you do that and loosen up the protection, and granted, there's only a limited number of uh, situations in which this would apply, but it is a possibility. What happens if you get rid of the protections, just let Chicago have the pick, and you don't make the playoffs? I mean... It'd be the most blazer result ever. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. At this point, I mean, this team... And, and here we come down to the root of it, and we're not going to answer this this week, but... Someone asked me in a mailbag, who is this team? And the root of it is, this seems like a good team, but this seems like a better team than they're actually ending up being. And do you trust the Blazers to make the playoffs and make noise in the playoffs? Probably not at this point. Do you trust the Blazers to even make the playoffs for sure, past the play-in tournament? Not 100%? No, I don't think you could put 100% on that. Um, like I said earlier, I think this is a team that can beat anybody when they're on, but they can lose to they can lose to me, you, and three other Blazers edge riders if they're having an off night. You know, so it, it's 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 tough. Uh, but I, I definitely give them a, a, a great chance to, to make the postseason, and if they get the right matchup, I think it's all about matchups. You know, there are teams that I look at in the West that I'm like, if we play them, or if Portland plays them, it's going to be a quick series. You know, it might not it might not go into May if they play Denver, Dallas, teams like that. I don't think they have a chance. Uh, but if they can get a, a all right matchup, I think you can definitely. You got to kind of loosen the word noise. What you mean by that? But they definitely give themselves a chance. They get the right matchup, and, and Lillard's motivated, and everybody's healthy, and they can buy those guys some rest. I think there are definitely situations where you can see them competing for a second round spot and, and getting lucky. You know. Yeah, well, Blazers Edge writers, you know, Jeremy Brenner got mad hops. So all we're gonna do is throw alley oops to him, and we can win at a high level. We can roll. <laughs> we can roll. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is the problem, and we'll talk more about this next week, or at least maybe in two weeks when the deadline gets real close. I don't know that we know what to do. I hope the front office does, but I don't know that you can have a real good pulse on this team yet. I, I, that's hard. That's hard. Are they, are they are they playoff team? Part of you goes, yeah, of course they're a playoff team. And it's like, well, no, look at that record. Look at the West. Look at their defense. Not necessarily. They could get knocked out of the play-in. They, they could. Uh, are they a first-round exit team? Probably. That's the fat part of the bell curve. Could they go farther? Yes, they could. Okay, who is this team? I don't know. And... 
how do you make trades? How do you make future decisions not knowing what you've got? And you've got that stupid dichotomy of Damian Lillard, okay, win now, franchise superstar, best there's ever been, got to make use of him, and everybody else. I guess there's one silver lining is that, you know, we sort of know what this team is going to be right now. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's better to kind of know, like, this team might not be a title contender now as opposed to getting to March and April and saying, oh, yeah, we, 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 we're not where we think we are. You know, so maybe they can make some trades now and kind of analyze and evaluate the roster, see what they can do. Um, but I think that the big thing is just the unknown. You know what I'm saying? It's it, it, it's easy to say you want to break up the team and, and, and rebuild and whatnot. But sometimes you, you look at teams like the Kings and the Timberwolves, sometimes the rebuilds can take 10 or 15 years and you might not get that back. So um, being average to above average every year, sometimes it, it may not be the worst thing in the world. It's not a championship, but you know, it, it's something. So kind of got to put everything out there, put all the outlooks and perspectives out there and, and kind of evaluate there. But I don't think that this team is, is, is a championship team. No, I'd love to be proven wrong, but they've just they haven't taken advantage of the winnable matchups, and it, it's it's been tough. And you know what's even worse is they're just below the luxury tax line, so they got to think about that too. Like, do you want to get a year in the luxury tax to take a chance on a trade move right now? Uh, you know, it's just everything about this team is in the middle, and now we're looking at each other just like the Blazers are looking at each other on defense, saying, you got this? I don't know. You got this? Who knows? <laughs> Maybe we'll know more next week. The Trailblazers will play the Indiana Pacers tomorrow night, or yesterday from your perspective as you're listening. Uh, the Toronto Raptors on Sunday, both on the road. Then they come forward or come home to face the Orlando Magic on Tuesday. Once again, three games. Uh, what do you predict for the record there? At Indiana, at Toronto, home for Orlando. I'm going to go, this may be the first time this season that I've predicted a losing record, and maybe maybe it'll be like a reverse jinx, something like that. Um, Blazers just haven't, haven't been great on the road. They started out the year really, really good in this regard, but they've really struggled. Uh, I'm going to go, sort of predict them, I'll go, I'll go a loss to Indiana. Because this team's still trying to get guys healthy and get guys into their rotation, so it's going to be tough. Uh, Toronto's usually a tough matchup, and I'm going to go with a win against Orlando, but I think it's going to be a really, really tight, really close win. So I'm going to go one and two, sitting at twenty and twenty at the uh, 40, 40 game mark. That's oh, that's tough, but <laughs> that's the reality, though. I'll go above you then. I'll say two and one, and I think the Orlando win is there because that's the Blazers' pattern right now. Uh, but we'll say they beat Toronto. So one and two, two and one. Nobody's saying three and zero oh this week. So maybe that'll. I mean, Indiana's playing really well. Yeah. It's gonna be exciting to see yeah. Benedict Matherin too. I mean, he's talk about a rookie. I mean, this guy is pretty darn good. Really good. I, I hopefully, hopefully, what you said last time when you were talking about uh, Shaden Sharp, you know, taking a little bit of offense to that matchup and showing he's the better rookie. Hopefully, we get a little bit of that. He's trending upwards. We're gonna have some playing time. So. Here's to that. Anything but I don't know. I don't know if you feel the same way I do, but being 500 just just feels so so sad at this point in the year after the expectations we had. Like one game above 500 is fine, but being 500 is just I don't know if my head can handle it. I don't know if I can handle that. That's gonna be tough. Yeah, I mean, remember when it was like okay, well after the first 20 games, uh, this is yeah. gonna be all right, right? And after the first 20, they were 11 and nine, which was two games above 500. Right now they're 19 and 18, which is one game above 500. 
they've played 500 after their first 20, just like they did in their first 20. So it's like, yeah, that's, thank you. We expect a little more. Let's see if they can turn it on. Go into Toronto like Vikings sailing to the British shore. You are not so much looking at uh, the win or the loss because you hope it'll be a win. You're looking at what you can loot from that roster and <laughs> kind of covertly smile at everybody on the other side and say, you would look better in our uniform. Uh, by the way, uh, Orlando, watch that game on Tuesday. Watch Orlando's bigs. I wrote about that today. If the Blazers were looking for bigs in the offseason, they could do worse. Or if they were to engineer a trade, I don't think directly for Nurkic, but like if they got rid of Nurkic and needed a supplementary trade to get some bigs from somebody, Orlando has some, and they might not be using them. So look at that big man core from the Magic and see if there's anyone that you'd like, listeners. That should provide some interest to the coming week beyond the wins and losses. And we will see you again next Saturday, where we will hopefully be talking about a successful week for the Blazers, or at least an interesting one.